Cancer didn't define me, it redesigned me. This is Denise D. Simone, and you are listening to So Much More Than Cancer, a podcast presented by From Stage 4 to Center Stage. There is no doubt about it. The words, you have cancer, are devastating. I heard these words in 2005 when I was diagnosed with stage 4 throat and neck cancer and was given only three months to live. Well, that was 15 years ago, and I am still here, and I'm better than ever. My guests and I are on a mission to inspire and empower the cancer community. Cancer's a wake-up call. It's a divine invitation to dig deep into your soul. Cancer doesn't have to define you. It can redesign you as well. I want you to know, no matter where you are in your journey, you are so much more than cancer. So let's be brave, let's have some fun, and let's get after it. I'm your host, Denise D. Simone, and you are listening to So Much More Than Cancer. Hello, everyone, and um, thank you for being with us on So Much More Than Cancer podcast. I am so excited today to come to you with a wonderful guest, my friend Jeanette Catan, who is a cancer survivor slash thriver in a big way. She's a mom. She is a wife. She is a powerhouse of a woman. She comes to this day with me to share her story and how she survived and now is thriving from a uh, cancer diagnosis of breast cancer. I'll let her tell the story She is an amazing woman who helps other women deal with um, the hair loss situation because she is a top-notch hairdresser, stylist. And I would just want everyone, if you're in the neighborhood of Boston, come on down and let Jeanette just take a gander at your hair and see what she can do because she is an amazing, talented um, stylist. So Jeanette, welcome, welcome. Thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Denise. I appreciate the time to share my story. So tell me, um, let's let's just have you share like how old were you, what year was it, what was happening, and what you did to set yourself mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically for what you knew would be probably the most intense opportunity, if you will, and journey of your life? Uh, Well, it was 2013, and I was uh, 38 years old. And um, at that point, and still to this day, women are not having uh, mammograms and uh, baselines done until the age of 40. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have no, I, at the time I had no um, family history of having breast cancer with young women in my family, mostly had been um, a couple of aunts and my grandmother had had breast cancer um, postmenopausal, not premenopausal. And during a self breast exam, I found a tiny little lump that was 1.7 centimeters big in um, the top part of my right breast, which is actually kind of an unusual spot. It's usually found underneath the armpit and mm-hmm. around you know, the lymph nodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew because I had been doing self-breast exams. So that's one of my first things that I want to express to women, even in, even 
young start doing self-breast examinations because if I hadn't been doing that, who knows how long. I would have been at least two more years into finding out with a first mammogram that I had cancer. Um, so I had found that tiny little 1.7 centimeter spot cause I had been familiar with myself. Yeah, <laughs> so, no, great advice. So, Excellent advice. Yes. Um, so I had hem and hawed for about a week going back and forth and getting really nervous, not knowing if I should call the doctor or not call the doctor. And my husband said, you know, just to put your mind at ease, just call and, and, and have them check it out. So fortunately I did that. And, um, and then from there, it was just within four weeks from that time, I was having treatment, found diagnosed and having treatment. It was a whirlwind um, as to how it all started. Mm-hmm. And, um, I really didn't have a whole lot of time, I felt, to think about any decisions in a, in a sense. You know, it was a mm-hmm. lot of percentages and numbers coming at me um, from from my doctors who were absolutely wonderful. And Dr. Hartman, he had given me, I think, probably the best advice that I could give anyone if they're when they're entering this journey. He said he's giving me a prescription for PMA, positive mental attitude. <laughs> and that is something that I carry on with me to this day. And I say that to my friends. I say that to my kids. I say that to my husband. I say that to myself because <laughs> <laughs> I really do believe that that helped me get through what the hopefully the most difficult um mm-hmm. point in my life you know mm-hmm. so um and self-talk there, is oh sorry go ahead no 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 I so from from that diagnosis it really snowballed and um having to make a lot of unfortunately you feel really rushed and you don't feel like you have time to make decisions and you ha- and I put a lot of faith I had a lot of faith in God to begin with and the world around me. So I put that faith into people who were um, educated. And um, that is a very hard thing to do when you're signing paperwork that says for medication that could potentially do more harm than good. But, you know, I, I put a lot of faith out there and gave it to God in a sense, gave it to God and mm-hmm. said, please, you know, mm-hmm. help me get through this. Mm -hmm. I want to get through this. I would like to be here. Mm -hmm. Um, And then through that process, after those feelings, I kind of had to make sure that um, taught myself to be okay about even the possibility of of not being here for my family. Mm -hmm. If thing ever were to happen on, fortunately I am here, but um, yes. And now you have at that point had how many children and did you have all three children? I had all three of my children already. My oldest daughter, Ava, was in kindergarten. My son, Max, was in preschool. And I had a little girl who was just about turning two when I was diagnosed. Wow. You know, and and that is such, um, you know, no one likes to hear those words, you have cancer. It's devastating. But for a woman... And um, uh, and in men as well, but um, for a mother, there's no stronger bond in the world than a mother and a child. And to be so young and so raw and vulnerable at that point, it must have been very scary. And I I commend you for saying you kind of had to be okay with the fact that you had to prepare them and yourself for the possibility of not being here. Um, 
healing doesn't always mean we're going to be able to 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 live. And as sad as it is, so many families have been um, devastated with the loss. And thank God, how many years ago was that? I just uh, on November first of this year, uh, it was my diagnosis date um, anniversary, so to speak. And um, I am seven years um, yes. healthy. Yes. <laughs> yes. And another thing you said with Dr. Hartman, uh, whom I know as well, because you and I, of course, live in the same area of up north of Boston. And um, I love that he gave you that prescription for positive mental attitude. How much did that play into um, your journeying through all these years, you said you always remind yourself and your kids based on what you really had to get clear on that God has God's part, whatever you call infinite intelligence, you call it God, I call it God, but it is a higher power. How much um, co-creating do you feel you did by keeping that mental attitude in a positive framework? And it's not always possible to do that 24-7. How did you manage that on the emotional, mental, spiritual level at a deep level of yourself for your own knowing? Because oftentimes we give power away to the doctors and the statisticians and all of that, but there has to come a time. And if you can speak to when and how you knew, listen, I got to go deep within me. I got the goods in here. And what did you do to access that and co-create with God the outcome that you're still here? Right. One of the one of the things that I did allow myself to do, which was not how I grew up, was to allow myself to be upset and have grief mm-hmm. and um, powerful to learn that that it's okay to feel sad and feel scared and to have emotions and not have to stifle them down or anyone else's comfort Mm -hmm. Uh, and that letting myself have those emotions um, helped me also pull in that PMA, you know, of letting myself be upset, letting myself cry or be angry or how I need to feel, but then also remembering to come back to that positive mental attitude Mm -hmm. um, because that's where the healing Mm -hmm. I think really started for me to was, um, you know, allowing myself to have those hardcore feelings and also not being afraid to let my family see me in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, I grew up in a very um, religious family, which I think was fortunate. And my own beliefs are a little bit different than how I grew up. However, um, I think that that strong belief in faith um, that was that I was born into and cultivated throughout my life helped me also Um, bring back that positive mental attitude. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I carry that and I let my, I let my kids see me upset even to this day, you know, that I'm very honest with them about how I'm feeling. And I try to articulate that. And if I'm crying and tell them, you know, why I'm crying and not Mm -hmm. just leave me alone, you know, mm-hmm. um, cause I think we live in a society too, where men and women are not allowed to be emotional, that we always have to be, show this cover of strong. And I know for myself, that whole, um, saying of, you know, be strong that comes along when people have a cancer diagnosis, mm-hmm. um, for me, it was a lot of letting go, not so much of this being strong, um, mm-hmm. 
I was always a strong person. Mm -hmm. I had a harder time letting my guard down and letting people in to help me, Mm -hmm. to help me. And that was something that I had to learn too, was allowing people to help me. I think that that's a very hard thing for a lot of moms and women to do. Yeah, you know, I agree with you. And I always, um, it does take a village and a lot of people are so um, taken aback by the situation, they close up, they lock in, they go too far inside and they they feel like, you know, they did something wrong. I think one of the, the first things I always say to clients that I work with, and you and I, you know, you've been a client of mine from time to time as well, is, you know, you didn't do anything wrong. You and I met, your sweet little self was sitting in the front row when I was speaking at the um, cancer centers, uh, cancer night for the support group in, um, Anna Jake's hospital in Newburyport. And that's where we met and we've been, you know, connected for these, what, six, seven years. And I remember looking at you and saying, my goodness, this sweet young woman, what the heck happened here? And it is important to realize from the beginning that, you got to let people in. And I remember you were with your sister and how beautiful that was, the two of you and her supporting you. It's so critically important, and I'm glad you brought that up, to let people in because as much as we um, don't want to feel weak that we need help, that's a sign of strength. You know, I always say I had to surrender. Surrender doesn't mean give up. Surrender means open up. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really a time where you can be absolutely authentic. There's nothing like a cancer diagnosis to really teach us how to live. Yes, and I I'm, and my hope with us talking is to help you know people who are going through the diagnosis, but also people that are supporting and caregivers of those people to know exactly that um, it doesn't take a cancer diagnosis to be authentic and to learn how to live. That that is, you know, that's obviously something that I definitely learned. And that fortunately I have, I have a tremendous family and support group with my friends. And something that I also learned with going through this journey is that not everybody has that support. Yes. Not everybody has um, a great family. Not everybody choose. Mm-hmm. Some people choose not to be part of their family and that's okay too. But for that, those people who don't have that solid foundation to begin with, to know that that's never too late to have that and find that and seek that through your caregivers and support groups. And, um, you know, that there are different, that there are people out there that want to help. And I think that's a beautiful thing about about our, about people is mm-hmm. that there are, there are the helpers out there and look mm-hmm. for those people and let them in and let them help you. And innately, we want to help. Innately, people want to feel useful. They want to feel because there's not a whole lot that they can do um, other than to be with people who are going through the struggle. They can't go through it for you. But I know for me, the caregivers in my life, as you just spoke about your family and your friends, um, I wouldn't be here without them. That's why I dedicated my book from stage four to center stage to caregivers, because I don't think I'd be here. You know, um, they knew what I needed even before I knew I needed it. And they knew how to take care of me when I was just straight out flattened and couldn't do anything but sit in my recliner. Now, I want to just shift for a moment. Um, You have been a hairdresser for many years. And I know that one thing you do is you help women 
who are dealing with the effects of chemo and the loss of hair. Can you speak to what you've done and what you do now and you work with the local hospital, I believe, and and you um, have different wigs and you help people find the right look for them as they go through this devastation about hair loss? It, it, no one wants to lose their hair. No, it is, um, you know, like, again, you had said at one point uh, through our conversation of... Um, wanting to know what we did wrong to, I guess, quote unquote, I, I guess I felt like, what did I do to deserve mm. what was happening to me? Um, but the, with the wigs, with the wigs, it was a way for me to feel like I could really give back to my community um, after all the help that I had and knowing from being a hairdresser and um, having a lot of beautiful hair my whole life. Yes, <laughs> it was devastating. <laughs> my husband, who is you know, my right hand man and champion and helping me through all of this and has been probably the biggest supporter I've had with us raising our family through through the cancer journey, but now through this pandemic as well. And that actually has been one of the things that has helped us to um, stay strong and helping with community and knowing that, you know, we have to stick together. So with the wigs getting back, circling back, um, I work through Anna Jake's hospital. Um, people can contact me through, I will get that information at the end mm-hmm. as well, um, through through my own personal um, email or cell phone number. Mm-hmm. I do this through donations from patients who have gone through having treatment. I, am, I take their wigs and I spruce them back up and give them a new home and a new life. Uh, I have some that were donated At Anna Jake's Hospital, I have a bank of wigs, and I also have uh, wigs in my personal possession as well that I keep in store Mm -hmm. uh, for patients. So Mm -hmm. I take donations from patients who have gone through having cancer, and they'd like to pass on their wigs to a new patient. Mm -hmm. Uh, I take those, and I clean them, and I restyle them and rehome them. Nice. Uh, Yes. I've also had some people who have had other diseases such as alopecia Mm -hmm. that have had wigs that they haven't even used. So I also have brand new wigs that I also take and rehome those as well. So I just want to say for our listeners, if there are any people out there uh, who would like to get in touch with Jeanette and uh, see if she can help you with the wigs or just, you know, Jeanette, you're a beautiful woman. You're always willing to help. Someone may want to talk to you because they're going through a similar situation and they're a mom and they have, you know, whatever it is that they need help with. Um, Jeanette's email, and we'll have it in the show notes, is jnetcat at gmail, j-n-e-t-c-a-t at gmail.com. Well, I just want to ask you one more thing, and it is critically important to not only have the support that you talk about, but to have that inner knowing that our inner self-talk is so critically important and to keep that front and center and to be, you know me, I'm always talking about self-love and how that is the all-time greatest healer. And I believe that This is one of the most profound times in somebody's life that they get a cancer journey. And the reason I call the podcast so much more than cancer is because I want to talk about so much more than just cancer 
and as well to let people know that a cancer diagnosis can begin to define us, yet we are so much more than that cancer diagnosis. We sure are. And and I believe that, would you say you are a stronger woman having gone through, gone through this? I, I certainly am. I found um, a part of me that I didn't know was there or maybe even lost at some point. Mm. Um, we become defined by so many things as um, being a mother or our careers. Um, mm. You know, one of the first things that we ask people is, you know, what do you do? And usually it is based on our career and not on the mm-hmm. qualities of, and the essence of who we are mm-hmm. of, you know, I am a reader, I'm a, I knit, I, I'm a lover of life and poetry, <laughs> and I'm a lover of the ocean. We always answer, I such a a place of things and not from the essence of who we are. And I think that that was an opportunity for me to really dig deep, like you had said earlier, about the essence of who we are and the living an authentic life. Mm-hmm. I um I, I love that because I um I I always tease people and it's funny, they look at me like I have seven heads. Oh, what do you do? And you know, I've been in corporate America. I've had big jobs. I've had little jobs. And I often look at them and say, about what? About right. my about my <laughs> spiritual life? About my nutrition? About, I'm not sure what you're asking me. Oh, do you want to know what I, how I make my living? I mean, because we say, oh, what do you do? Oh, well, I'm a lawyer. Well, I'm a this. Well, I believe that um, it is critically important to get to that essence of who we are and answer from that place. A lot of people don't get there. And sometimes people, it takes devastation. It takes a cancer diagnosis to say, oh, put the brakes on. Wait a minute. Time out like you did. Like, who am I? Who am I? And what am I about? And moving forward, what's important to me? You know, I mean, of course, your husband and your kids, but I heard something the other day, a woman said, you know, after me, you come first. <laughs> right. not, that's not selfish, but if we aren't selfish, we cannot ever be selfless and we can't really teach our kids to be strong and powerful and to be honest about what's going on inside their heart and to be able to say true to that and to speak from that to the world at large that they are creating for themselves. So... I just want to say thank you so much. Any parting words you'd like to share with people? Uh, For them to know that they can reach out through their community and that they can find people to help them with this journey. And um, to those of you who are caregivers, keep keep giving that care Mm -hmm. and you, you know, love those people. I think love is the way to heal anything. It sure is, especially nowadays. Not to let a cancer diagnosis or any other disease um, define them and to uh, take good care of themselves. Mm -hmm. I always say cancer didn't define me. It redesigned me. And I believe that you had the same uh, journey as well. So, Jeanette, I love you. Thank you so much for being with us on So Much More Than Cancer. And I'm going to put your information, your contact info in the show notes. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. That was fabulous. 
Thank you so so much, Denise, for having me. Really enjoyed our talk. Bye bye, Jeanette. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thank you so much for being with me. I will be back next week. I hope you will join me. Until then, know you are loved and keep a good thought. Thanks for listening to this episode of So Much More Than Cancer. Please visit www. Dot so much more than cancer.com to download your free inspirational and thought-provoking gifts. While there, you can also find more information on Denise and her other offerings. Look for Denise on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. If you'd like, you can pick up a copy of Denise's book, From Stage 4 to Center Stage, at the Books and Pages tab on her website. Please remember to share, subscribe, and leave a review. Until next time, stay well.